new on Curiosity Stream. With my infrared drone, I can see what others can't. Drone pilot Doug Thrawn uses his bird's eye view for the ultimate good, saving animals from desperate situations around the globe. Join the rescue effort on a new season of Doug to the Rescue. And you captured a Confederate steamboat. We're taking the ship to freedom. An enslaved crew, a stolen vessel, and a Civil War dash to salvation on impossible escapes. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Show, the place where WEEI.com's Rob Bradford talks all things that interest him. Some of which you might just want to listen to. So sit back and soak in another episode of the soon-to-be award-winning show a whole bunch of people are talking about. Here's Rob Bradford. Welcome to another edition of the Bradford Show, sponsored, as always, by Ghoul's Distinctive Clothing, the people who make me look so darn good, and Hub New England Insurance, two fine, fine institutions. Speaking of a fine institution, we have another one right here, standing here at Turner's Field. Ian Brown, MLB.com, does a fine job covering the Red Sox, but more importantly, at least on this day and on the day where the 2004 Red Sox are returning to Fenway Park, he wrote the... This highly acclaimed, really critics just love this book, and it's called Idiots Revisited. It's all about the 2004 World Series run for the Red Sox, 10-year anniversary, perfect timing. Ian, this is—I know you've done a ton of media interviews, but I, this is probably going to be your best one. Do you agree? Oh, by far, because you know you, you know uh, you know what made this book so good, so you know you know all the questions to ask. I'm also in the acknowledgments as well. I should make that perfectly clear. So instead of just talking about the book, there's a lot to talk about with the book, and it's, it's good stuff. But I, I want to do something a little creative. Because we have the 2004 Red Sox returning to Fenway Park, it's a great time for the book. It's a great time to talk about this subject. So I have a list of players who have committed to coming back to Fenway Park. So what I want to do is go through some of these players. I won't go through all of them, but there's so many of them. But I want to give you to give me your favorite memory. Uh, it can be from the book. It can be in the book or the first thing that comes to mind. So, all right, we're going to mix it up. It's not just going to be all David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez. All right, okay. Uh, Ellis Burke. 
Ellis Burks, you know, he, he came in with, with uh, high hopes that year. And this was a guy who was with the Red Sox in the late 80s. It was supposed to be a great homecoming for him. He was going to platoon with Ortiz against lefties, which seems kind of crazy now. But uh, he was a, a big factor in the clubhouse, even though he was never really healthy. But Terry Francona always thought he gave that team a great uh, present, a great veteran presence. That's, 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 see, that's a great take. And this is the type of stuff you can read about in the book. And it's great because I, we think of Ellis Burks in so many ways as Red Sox fans. But really, that 2004 season was unique for Burks just because of all the things you just said. And I think that's what's great about this book is that it rekindles a lot of memories, not just the memories of coming back for the Yankees, but a lot of different things. So we're going to keep marching on here. Orlando Cabrera. Orlando Cabrera just lit up this team with his energy, and he kept uh, Manny Ramirez in line. I mean, Manny was a guy who could check out sometimes, and uh, Cabrera challenged him in the middle of the clubhouse one day when Manny was trying to pull, pull out of the lineup, and he said, hey, you're messing with my paycheck right here. And some players on that team, their jaws just dropped when they saw Cabrera challenge Manny like that, and then next thing you know, Manny was right back in the lineup. What page is that on? <laughs> I think it's on page uh, 123. Fair enough. L Lenny DiNardo. <laughs> Lenny Tenardo. Yeah, uh, Rule 5 pick. Uh, I think he, he finished the game at Yankee Stadium. Uh, did, didn't really do much for that team, uh, to be honest with you. I, I can't say that, that he, uh, he brought a lot of magic to that team. Did he make the cut in the book? He, he did not make the cut. Right. He was left on the cutting room floor, though. All right. it's, well, we remember other, other memories for Lenny DiNardo, starting pitching, starting opener for the Italian World Baseball Classic team in the first year they did that. Ellen Embry. Alan Embry was, you know, a, a tough lefty, you know, threw, threw hard. He, he had a big year in 04. He, he would always take the ball, and he wasn't just a specialist. He would go against lefties and righties, and he was, you know, what I'll always remember is he was the guy standing on the mound when they won game seven. He got the last out there, so, uh, you know, he'll always have that. All right, another guy out of the bullpen, Keith Folk. Keith Folk, you know, people didn't know at the time what, what personal problems he was going through. I mean, his wife basically informed him right before the playoffs started that she was leaving him, and he told me that a big motivation he had in that playoffs was he didn't want to go home because he knew he was going home to an empty house. So this guy threw 100 pitches in three straight days over a three-day span in game four, five, and six of the ALCS. I think he's the most underrated performer on that team considering all that he did. They, they never win that ALCS without Keith Folk. See, that's the type of stuff that I'm talking about. I mean, this, that's the type of stuff that the whole divorce story and, and the behind-the-scenes thing that you're going to get in this book. And, and fortunately, you're getting right now from Ian Brown on the Bradfoe Show. All right, the next one, Papa Jack, the hitting coach. Papa Jack, I mean, he was the guy that uh, Johnny Damon went to when, when Damon was in a slump in the, uh, in the ALCS there. Damon really bounced out of it with, with the grand slam and the three-on homer. And you know, Papa Jack always had a way of kind of keeping guys optimistic. He had them feeling like they were the best hitter in the world, uh, even when they were in a slump. And that, you know, Damon talked about how uh, Papa Jack kind of kept him going. And uh, you saw what Damon did in Game 7. Lynn Jones. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't get to a lot of the uh, – I know there's a lot of excitement there in the first base coach's box when, uh, when Dave Roberts stole second there, but uh, didn't, didn't cover a lot of – I think in the sequel we're going to have a lot more Lynn Jones talk. Yes, the 20th anniversary. I, I remember Lynn Jones for his obscenely huge glasses. Uh, Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler was like the team psychologist. You know, when I talked to him for this book, he broke down the characters of pretty much everybody on this team. He knew how to relate to all these guys. He talked about how Kurt Schilling, a lot of people thought he wasn't approachable and wasn't a great teammate. Kapler said, you just had to spend some time with Schilling. He said, peel back the layers is what you had to do. And kind of, he knew what, you know, what made each of these guys tick. And he, Gabe Kapler kind of bonded that team in a, in a, in a lot of ways that, that people didn't know about. 
We're going to skip to the – I've been going in alphabetical order. I'm going to throw you for a loop here. Uh, Kevin Euclid. Kevin Euclid came up big when, when Bill Miller hurt his knee twice during that season. And Euclid, I remember, made his Major League debut in Toronto, uh, hit a, a home run in May, his, his first game in the Major Leagues. And every time Miller went down, you know, Lee Euclid would come off the bench and, uh, and play well for this team. And he was kind of riding that Pawtucket shuttle for that 0-4 team. And then, you know, three years later, he's a huge part of the, of the team that won the World Series in 07. All right, here's one. He's coming back. I didn't think he might, but he's coming back. Pokey Reese. Pokey Reese electrified the team early in the season when they didn't have a lot to smile about. They weren't playing that well. Uh, Nomar was on the DL. Trot Nixon was on the DL. And this guy made, played some of the most acrobatic defense you've ever seen. I still made a, remember a catch he made on a Sunday night game against the Dodgers where he leapt so high, I think he could have dunked a basketball on, on this play. All right, Mike Myers. Mike Myers came in and, and got, got the lefties. You know, they didn't, like I said, Embry wasn't a straight lefty specialist. Myers really was. He was a guy you could just bring in for one or two guys. He was the last acquisition because they had gotten Cabrera, they had gotten Minkiewicz, they had gotten Dave Roberts. Mid-August, Theo Epstein goes on waivers and he sees Mike Myers sitting there and he got some important outs for the team down the stretch. Right, I'm going to throw two at you, which I have fond memories of and uh, will remember for specific stories, but this, your stories might be completely different than mine. I suspect they will be. Scott Williamson. Scott Williamson, yeah, he was big in the 03 playoffs for the team, and they thought he was going to be kind of their ace setup man in front of Folk in 04. And then uh, you know, he gets hurt uh, early in the year. He pitched well when he was healthy, but then there was a big incident in New York where you know Williamson pulled himself out of a game, and Kurt Schilling kind of challenged him in the middle of the clubhouse, and he said, you know, we don't do that around here. Well, it turns out I think Kurt felt bad about it after because I think Williamson was, was genuinely hurt, and he ended up having surgery and didn't really pitch very much that year. But that's that's the main thing in 04 with Williamson. Well, of course, I remember him for seeing ghosts at the Vinoy Hotel in, in St. Petersburg. And, and I'm a little offended that you did not do a 10-year anniversary book of Chasing Steinbrenner, the 2003 season. But Williamson definitely would have been a lot more prominent in the, uh, the 03 book. All right, uh, Cesar Crespo. Cesar Crespo had one of the best spring trainings I've ever seen a Red Sox player have. I think he hit something like 625. And every year after that, Terry Francona always said, you can't go by spring training stats. And he would always use Cesar Crespo as an example. So he, he didn't do very much after spring training. All right, let's get back to kind of some of the regulars here. Mike Timlin. Mike Timlin was the leader of the bullpen. You know, Folk was the, was the closer, but Timlin was, was the guy who kind of gave guys a kick in the pants when they needed it. You know, he had already had the street cred because he had won two rings with the Blue Jays, and he had that kind of that championship credentials. So, and he also got big outs for the team in both 03 and 04. All right, give me a good story from the book from Manny. Uh, Manny, there's good stories everywhere, but you know Kevin Millar was talking about how you know one one game in Anaheim, he had to remind uh, Manny that they had a game that night because he said Manny called him when he was on his way, like some two or three hour drive in California where he wanted to go buy some antique car, and Millar claims that Manny forgot they had a game that night, so so Manny did turn around and, and came back. We're basically verbalizing the entire book, so I apologize. But I it's like the audio version of the book. Yes, who needs James Earl Jones when he can do this? All right, we're going to keep on uh, marching on through here. Uh, Trot Nixon. Trot Nixon, you know what people don't remember about Trot Nixon for that year is that his quad was really messed up that year. and He didn't play very much during the regular season. And a couple of the a doctor had actually told him that he thought it was a reach that Trot would be able to be back in, in time for the playoffs when he went on the DL again in July. Well, Trot went to Boston University pretty much every day with Scott Waugh, one of the trainers, and worked out on the track there and did everything he could to get back. And not only to come back, but Trot Nixon had some big games in the playoffs, especially game five of the ALCS against the Yankees where he made 
made two diving catches, had a big hit that set up the, the game-tying rally. So I don't think this team wins the World Series without Trot Nixon. All right, uh, now we get into the starting rotation. Pedro Martinez. Well, you know, Pedro was one of the, obviously, maybe the best pitcher in Red Sox history. 04 was a contract year, and he, he admits to me that he was a little messed up mentally at the beginning of that year because he felt the team was leaking some things about his arm slot and his velocity going down, trying to get leverage in the contract. So he said that once he finally just put that out of his mind, he decided in May that he was going to become a free agent, and then he just had fun the rest of the year. We remember Pedro bringing the midget, his midget friend in the, in the clubhouse. I think it's called Little Person, but that's okay. This is a podcast. Yeah, he, after a tough loss against the Yankees, he brought his little his little person friend into the clubhouse and it kind of uh, alleviated some of the pressures the team was going through at that time. But one of the things guys are most mystified in this book is why Terry Francona had Pedro pitching Game 7 in Yankee Stadium when the Red Sox had an 8-1 lead and the Yankees made a, a strong run there and the crowd really got back into the game. Pedro still has no idea where, why he pitched. I asked Terry Francona about it. You know, it's, Terry didn't really give me a good explanation for it, so it's still... Uh, it still mystifies people. Speaking of Francona, what? Give me some uh, some good Francona stuff from this book. Yeah, Francona was was great talking about the situation earlier in the year. His very first game, he was tested when when Pedro Martinez not only got shelled in the first game of the year, but then left the clubhouse early before the game. And uh, you know, Terry talked about how he really had to be stern with Pedro and tell him they couldn't get away with that kind of thing. And he was surprised when when Pedro had a different version of events. And you know, Pedro tried to say that he actually didn't leave the clubhouse and was actually in the in the family room next door Terry said well if he was you know why would I make something like that up it's not like I wanted to bring attention to it so you know Terry w was good at talking about how he kind of kept an even kill when the team was going through struggles earlier in the year where some managers might have panicked he did the same thing when they were down 3-0 in the ALCS where a lot of managers might have pushed the panic button and juggled the lineup around Terry said that he knew the only way these guys could win is if he stuck with the guys who got him there all year it's amazing you think back that was his first year as a man first year as a manager of the Red Sox so you have right out of the gate that like you said that first day and then to to do what he did he's never really been in the playoffs as a manager either so uh, just I mean, did you sense when you're talking to Francona that he could look back at that and, and understand how new everything was to him yeah, he was. You know, he admits now that he was a little naive about the whole thing, and he didn't really realize how huge these games were in Boston until the season started. And he also talked about, you know, the tough 13 inning loss they had in New York, the game where Jeter dove into the stands. And Terry was outside the clubhouse after that game when guys were coming in, patting him on the back. And he's upset that at the he's still upset that he took criticism from media members. That, you know, like he was cheerleading them after a loss. He was saying, I had to tell these guys they were giving a good effort, and I had to keep them mentally in the game. And he thinks that that uh, came back and helped. Them. But, you know, Orlando Cabrera flat out told me this team doesn't win with any manager other than Terry Francona. He said he was the perfect manager for that team. I'm going to rattle through some names here who are going to be at Fenway Park for the 2004 celebration. You don't have to give me stories because I suspect you don't have a lot of stories on these guys. You just tell me if they I have one single reference in the book. Ready? Yeah. Jimmy Anderson. <laughs> Jimmy Anderson, I remember they, they called him up after like a series of extra inning games where they had nobody in the bullpen. And, you know, I really had no idea who Jimmy Anderson was until you reminded me about an hour ago. So he's not, so he's not in the book. Uh, he is not in the book, but I'm, I'm glad for him that he has a ring. 
<laughs> well, it's nice that you're looking out for the Anderson family. Uh, Adam Heisdew, is he in the book? Adam Heisdew is in the book because when Trot Nixon was going through a slump um, after the ALCS early in the World Series, he said that he had Adam Heisdew go to the cage with him in St. Louis before uh, Game 3 of the World Series, and he said Adam Heisdew soft tossed with him and threw him batting practice for about an hour to help him get a swing, and Trot said that I did, did nothing but bunt against Adam Heisdew for about 10 minutes because he said bunting was a great tracking device for Trot, and he said and he thanked uh, Adam Heisdew for making himself available there. That's a great Adam Heisdew story, but I'm suspecting that the next two names you are going to have great stories about. Just let me know if they're not in the book to say that they're, they're not. That's fine. Jason Scheel. <laughs> no, Jason Scheel. Uh, he was, he was uh, I think he was traded from San Diego, right? He was. Uh, he was. Well, Theo Epstein went through a run where he was getting a lot of uh, guys from San Diego, and th that was one of them. But now uh, I couldn't tell you if he pitched for the team in 03 or 05. I didn't remember it was 04. Phil Seibel. <laughs> Phil, I remember him being at the 05 ring ceremony. He looked very excited to get his ring, and it wasn't until that ring ceremony that I remembered he was actually on the 04 team. Now, the last one is, last question I'll ask is, you spent uh, about an hour or so talking to Ortiz, I think, and tell me the thing that Ortiz said that you were like, wow, you know, that, that's a really good story. I didn't know about that, or that's going to be make me a lot of money by putting in this book. <laughs> now, Ortiz really talked about her personally, he took this lo these losses in the playoffs when they were down 3-0, and he said he remembers like late in Game 3 seeing some lady in the stands crying, and it wasn't until then where he realized what this was doing for people. He said, we gotta, we gotta we got to make these people smile again. And he really put the team on his back. He almost made it ha happen single-handedly for a couple days. And just to see him still doing that uh, nine years later, what he did in the playoffs last year, might even be more impressive than what he did in 04. It's, I, mean, I don't know if we'll ever see another guy who impacts this team quite like David Ortiz did. I wept doing this interview because it, it was it was the best book podcast that we have executed so far. Uh, the book is Idiots Revisited. You can pick it up anywhere, all the bookstores. Go online. They really lower Ian's Amazon ranking. Yeah. How's that going? Get me in three digits. I think we're uh, four or five digits last time I checked. But, uh, yeah, we can get to three digits. That'd be great. This is a goal-oriented podcast. So that's our goal, folks, to get into three digits. All right. Good luck with the book, and thanks. All right, thank you. New on Curiosity Stream. From time to time, we have collisions between asteroids and the Earth. We track them. We study them. We hope the big one never comes. Don't look up. It's Asteroid Rush. And alligators. They rarely get sick. They even outlasted the dinosaurs. Could they hold the secret to human longevity? Their blood could have antibacterial applications. Wade into the investigation on immortal alligators. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nano spray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. 
The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors have the expertise to find exactly what you need and the ethics to do the right thing, even when it's the harder thing. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are.